Welcome to the Wild Goose Chase podcast. I'm John, and I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Allison. Welcome to the conversation where we talk all about the adventures of life and leadership. We don't always know what we're doing or where we're going. We're just trying to enjoy the adventure. Well, welcome everybody. John here, joined by Allison. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing great, actually. Um, this is funny that you asked because I, I told somebody today I was doing 8.5. Ooh, so I've been like doing a rating high scale. On the scale. Like, you know, instead of like I'm good or you know I'm not doing so good, I just start throwing out a number. What would be like a 10, though? Uh, I don't be, know that I've ever given, I was gonna those, say. given one of those out yet. But You're I one of those guys who tends on the scale, but you never yeah, give Sunday it out. Sunday mornings yeah. when I'm walking through the lobby, I'll say, hey, it's a it's an 8, but it's early, trending upwards, you know. That's so, funny. So, yeah, excited to have our guest today, Me Nate. Too. Nathan Fletcher from Burley Man Tactical. How you doing? Good morning, or afternoon, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. Hey, it depends yeah. on when you're listening. That's yeah, right. Absolutely. Hey, it is. I think it's May 25th. Is that right? It sounds about right. We're actually recording this. It is. And so excited to get into the conversation with Nate today and hear what uh, what he's got going on and where he's been, how he'll answer the question, you know, how did you get here, which is how we started this whole thing. And so um, I don't know, Allison, just maybe a shout out to those people who are from Christ Church who are listening today to our family in Southeast Georgia. It's been two months since we did one of these, so it's been crazy. Yeah, I don't know how we could even bring people up to speed in two minutes. But well, that's true. It'd How did like, you get here? Hi, right? <laughs> I got here very slowly. No, uh-huh. it's uh, you know, it's been a wild. We keep saying this. It's been a wild year, but yeah. I feel like things are starting to settle back down, and a little bit. It's yeah. good to see people again and so get some normalcy, and I don't know, be back in a relationship with people on a regular basis. Like all that stuff's, it's cool. This church is amazing. I tell people all the time I would go to this church even if I didn't work here, and not everybody can say that for sure, but I definitely feel that way about this place and our people and. Our staff just gets better and better, and I think we finally have everybody in the, on the right seat in the bus, and that's been that's been a while to get to that point for sure. Yeah, so like that that's a whole episode. That is a whole episode right there. But uh, <laughs> team management. Yeah, so we've added one, two, three different people to the team mm-hmm. in the last two months, just since we did the last podcast, and that's by nature of having open spots and by moving some other people around who are on our team, but. Again, that's probably like a whole day and episode in right. itself just because, um, you know, I did this change exercise a while back, about a month ago, where I wrote down every change we've been through in the last 14 months. Jeez. And that could be anything. That could be uh, we opened up our broadcast room and made it bigger. That could be we added a wall in our kids' ministry. That could be, you know, staff. We built a playground. Staff, yeah, we built a playground <laughs> during COVID. It mm-hmm. could be staff changes. It could be we did long-range vision and mission planning and try to roll that out and I had like three pages long full of you know just the changes we made. And of course, the question I had was, I don't know if our church can absorb this rate of change. So, right. Because at the same time, we're making all these changes and we're not even really sure who we have. You know, right. Who our church is. Can we absorb this and but, then can our people? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so so that's um, that's been a... And the, the, just as far as the staffing goes, you know, like the big revelation for me after doing all that was, you know, I'm the only person on our staff who is here and in the same position they were for, uh, as 14 months ago. Which is so insane. Yeah. That we've switched everybody around. So if you're another pastor, you're listening to this, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. It's too much. But to defend but you a bit, it was necessary and it was the right moves. And it, I think our church will be better for it. Also, so 
Yeah, I don't need defending, but uh, that's know. an explanation. How about that? Yeah, so. I say the majority of our staff hasn't been here longer than what year and a half. Yeah, which is crazy. Yep. There's only what three of us who've been here longer than two years. Yep. Yeah, which is crazy. That so. is crazy. That's all right. New year, new church, new opportunities. And we're gonna do it. Yeah. It's gonna be great. So yeah, awesome. Well, excited to have Nate with us today. Again, Burley Man Tactical is so the name. Cool. I would say like a proprietor. How would you describe yourself? Uh, owner operator, let's call it that. Owner operator. Very official. Yeah. Owner Brain operator. trust, all that stuff. Yes. Dir- director of operations. Uh-huh. Hey. There yeah. you go. CEO. CFO <laughs> and COO. Absolutely. Do you put all of those after your name? Because you should. I, I do. I do. Uh, it depends on who I talk to. <laughs> there you, you know, go. Who I'm marketing or <laughs> I need some letters after my name. I'm going to start making some yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah so, it, you know, it's just a general question. We throw it out there to everybody who's our guest, you know, like, how did you get here? And, you know, episode one, Allison and I told our stories. How did we end up in ministry? How did we specifically end up here at Christ Church? But it's just kind of general, you know, like, man, now you're sitting in this chair next to us today. Um, like, how did you get here? Yeah, no, I think it's a great question. Uh, I, I mold that over. And, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, we're in the South, obviously. We're you know, recording this in the South, and we're located in Southeast Georgia. Uh, and I would have to say, how did I get here? The sun. And you can interpret that <laughs> as S-U-N or S-O-N. Um, you know, as a child, uh, one of my favorite Bible verses was, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And that's in Romans eight fourteen. And, uh, you know, this idea that as a son or daughter of God, he leads us and guides our decisions and the choices we make in life. And, uh, you know, uh, what a long, strange trip it's been, um, you know, to get to Southeast Georgia. Uh, But this is how I want to answer that question. Um, You know, I was born in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, Just a... Uh, I'm from there. But um, (laughs) but I was born there, and uh, my parents were uh, essentially uh, raised in a farming community. Uh, very low income in Florida, and, uh, and this would have been in the 80s. And so, uh, you know, they, they uh, got married, they had me, uh, and they were, uh, what's the word, tent evangelists. Um, they traveled around uh, in tents in the southeast and uh, held revivals and such in small uh, low-income areas. And so, uh, you know, when I was born, uh, they said we need a better, uh, we need income. We need a, a better income than we have in our community. And so they had a friend that had moved to Alaska and was uh, both working in a church and they were setting up uh, a missions program to the villages. Uh, but they, he was also bivocational. He was working uh, construction work uh, for the military bases that were up there. And so my dad was like, hey, why don't we move to Alaska? And uh, when I was eight months old, they got in a a blue Chevy van and they drove the Alaska Highway. That's awesome. And Into the wild. Into the wild. (laughs) Uh, And if you've seen uh, that movie, that blue van they have, almost identical. Almost identical. Um, But they they moved up there. And uh, our friends that basically said, uh, come, there's ministry come, we'll figure out housing, we'll figure out all that kind of stuff. So for them, that was a really kind of a step of faith to leave the community they knew, 
um, to go into what would become missions and, and other opportunities. Um, so moving up there, you know, I've, I was raised in Alaska, lived up there 18 years, uh, enjoyed all the nature boy stuff, uh, all the outdoors activities, mountain biking, canoeing, kayaking. Uh, me and my dad would go moose hunting every, every fall. Um, you know, we, when I was two years old, uh, my dad said, I'm not taking a baby with me moose hunting. So, uh, I, I had to potty train. That was the rule. And I was the only child in two. And so I had no motivator to get potty trained. Right. And so, uh, my, my dad was like, you're not going moose hunting with me unless you're potty trained. And so overnight I potty trained, had motivation. Uh -huh. And, uh, he it seemed like a weird standard because you're out in the woods. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that should be an easy solution. <laughs> You'd have to know my dad. Uh, he's Is not it harder to change a diaper. <laughs> Take them things off. He's not going to change a diaper <laughs> if he doesn't have to. Um, but, uh, so we were like, uh, we, we stepped into really outdoor lifestyle right from the beginning of us moving up there. And I went on my first move site when I was two years old. And we did have, you get one? Uh, I did didn't one. personally. I feel like that's a valid <laughs> question. <laughs> it's a really that, important part that, of the story. That would be a, a rite of manhood passage right there, right? What do you? Sh what do you? How do you get a moose? Um, with a gun. Okay, cool. Um, Just curious. If, if you're hardcore, a spear or a car. Oh. That happens quite often too. You say a car. A car. A car yes. And a spear at the same time, <laughs> or not, those are separate. You don't ride the hood. Okay, because that right? would be awesome. <laughs> like jousting. <laughs> two separate, uh, you know, instances. But uh, you know, yeah. So we. You know, really uh, enjoyed that lifestyle, and uh, you know, my parents were both uh, really finding as many opportunities to minister as they could, um, and that really led to uh, getting involved with uh, low income and drug addicts and and prostitutes, and really, really got what we would say in the church community kind of difficult people to work with, you know, but in need of Jesus. Sure. And, um, you know, we worked with a local church up there and they kind of sponsored us as a, uh, essentially set up, we, we called it a street church, but it was everything that a mission does without the overnight stay. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we fed people, um, clothed. In some cases we did house people, but there were people that actually came, started working at the church and it was a rehabilitation type program. And, uh, but during that season, you know, that was, I was 10, 11 years old, uh, being raised in a home where my parents, you know, were finding ways to minister that didn't look like, um, you know, Sunday mornings. Um, it was very unique ministry. Uh, in some cases it was, uh, you know, going to our, our downtown area and, uh, you know, doing worship music and handing out food to the street kids that were living off the street, you know, uh, and just sharing Jesus. Um, and this is in Alaska. This is Alaska. Yeah. That's a tough place to be a street kid. Um, you know, it's what, a little chilly. What, what's, <laughs> well, I mean, or to do big tent meetings. Yeah. Also that. yeah. What, what's crazy up there is because of the, uh, the climate, because of the, you know, 22, 23 hours of darkness in the wintertime and the 24 hours of sunlight in the summertime, um, you know, the, the about four months of sunlight you have, uh, people are super active. And then the other eight months of the year, they, they hibernate or they turn to drug addiction or, or sexual abuse and just all kinds of things. Uh, very high suicide rate in Alaska because of the darkness and depression and everything they deal with. And so, uh, you know, that's really where we felt called. 
And, uh, you know, being raised in church, being raised uh, in, a, in a godly home, um, I, coming into young adulthood, was trying to figure out, you know, God, what, what is your calling on my life? What does that look like? And, uh, you know, I enjoyed all the Nature Boy stuff and all that, but, you know, I really felt called to, to work in a church full time. And so uh, I was uh, 14, 15 years old uh, when I really started uh, reaching out to local churches. And anytime they would have an event, uh, I would offer services to go play drums or guitar or lead worship or whatever that looked like. And uh, then by the time I was about 18, 19, a local church brought me on full time. And uh, during that uh, kind of two years that I was with that church, uh, I really felt like, you know, it's great to lead worship, but man, the word of God changes people's lives. And, uh, and during that season, I really felt called to start preaching and start, you know, bringing messages, uh, whether it was to the youth group or we had uh, mission outreaches that we did during the week. And, uh, and during that season, I felt like the Lord really, uh, drew me to himself you know, it wasn't a my parents' relationship with Jesus. It was his calling on my life and what he wanted me to do um, with what he'd given me. And, uh, you know, during that season, I really felt like Alaska was, because uh, it is, a small community. Um, there's not a lot of opportunities for growth there at that time for music as a worship leader and that kind of thing. And, uh, and so I came uh, out uh, with my first vehicle that my, my parents helped me purchase. And uh, I drove uh, something like 25 days to get here. And that was through spending time through Canada, coming down to North and South Dakota, the Midwest, and then taking time down the East Coast to visit churches and college campuses and things like that. And uh, eventually making it to St. Mary's, Georgia, because I had an aunt that lived here and owned a construction company. And that's really why I got here, or why I came here originally. And, uh, you know, while coming through the area, she offered, you know, hey, while you're trying to figure out what school to come to, if you don't want to make the 13-day drive back to Alaska, um, you know, why don't you stay with me and you can you can work for my company and you can kind of figure things out. Um, and after another two or three months of traveling in the southeast, uh, I felt like that was the best, best option you know, to stay and, uh, and then just kind of see where God led. And kind of during that time, uh, there was a local Christian radio station called WECC. And, uh, I had started going there and volunteering while I was trying to figure out college and all those other things. And, uh, really at that time, uh, what's the kind of making yourself available, even if there's not a job, <laughs> you know, um, is really what I was doing. Uh, you know, I, Vicki Hafer, the, one of the owners of that, uh, that nonprofit, they, uh, I just kind of said, Hey, these are my skill sets. This is, uh, what I'd like to do. If you have need for someone, let me know. And it just so happened the, the main youth pastor at that time, uh, was having to go away for a couple months. And so they needed somebody to fill in. And so, uh, basically I stepped in and, uh, a, uh, a grant became available to pay my salary. And, uh, so I worked for them for about three and a half years. And, uh, during that season of both 
both through broadcast ministry, uh, you know, being a youth and young adult director there, uh, I really started feeling like uh, I could do more as a youth pastor uh, than maybe as a worship leader at that season of my life. You know, that there were kids that I felt like God had brought uh, to be mentored and that they, they needed more than a song from me. And I really felt like, you know, I need to go to seminary. I need to be able to offer more. And, uh, you know, right during that time, uh, me and my wife had met and we had just gotten married. I was 20 and she was 19. And uh, don't necessarily advise that for all you 20 and 19 year olds out there. Um, however, it worked for us. We've been, uh, we freaks to celebrate our 15th anniversary. Um, Congratulations. But, so she was in the youth group. So she, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she had come in as a volunteer to the youth group. Uh, so, yes, technically she was in the youth group. But um, we, uh, you know, we met there. And then right during that time, I felt like there's something more. There's, there's a new direction that God's calling us. And uh, a pastor friend of mine uh, that I knew just from acquaintance uh, had come down and, and basically said, hey, uh, we're looking for a youth pastor. Would you be interested? And at the time, it was just kind of out of nowhere. And uh, so I, I told my then wife of two and a half months um, who, you know, we had just gotten married. We just got our first apartment, you know, kind of settled into married life. And uh, I was basically saying, hey, I feel like we should move. And, um, and that was kind of a stretch of faith for us at that time because, we, again, we were newly married. I had a job. Um, well, she's and, from here, right? And she's from here. Her yeah, all her here. family's here. And so, yeah, it was a big stretch. And get this, not moving across the country. Moving 45 minutes away to Folkestone, Georgia. Uh, I think this is a good place to pause just for a second because, all right, let's just review what you just said because I feel like you've told this story before. Um, okay, your parents were big tent revival yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that come Killing from like a charismatic yeah, kind of yeah, event? Yeah, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so and we, we grew moves. up that way. We moved to mm-hmm. Alaska. That's my favorite part of the story. Yeah, and uh, you want to leave Alaska because it's small town. You yeah. come to Camden County. I see where County. you're going with this. Yeah, you come to Camden <laughs> County. Uh, you get involved with a nonprofit. You're doing youth ministry. You get married, and then you move to a small town. Absolutely. Smaller town. Smaller. Smallest <laughs> town. So got now, it, it. now understand this. Where I was at in Fairbanks, Alaska, it was 25,000 people in the county, and you were 300 or 350 miles from 250,000 people, and there was the two biggest cities in the state of of Alaska. So that's, I mean, how far to Atlanta from here? Yeah. Five and a half hours. Five and a half hours. Yeah. And so it's it's like the scale of colleges and opportunities and things. This seems small, and all the people, they're like, hey, this is a small county. But you have a couple million people 30 minutes away in Jacksonville. You know, it's like it's the opportunities are quite different. And you don't have to take a sled to get here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, church in Alaska sounds awesome. <laughs> well, hey, we, we did have uh, dog teams, and That's we had amazing. about 60 dogs. And so uh, we raised Siberian Huskies, and we did that whole thing. I need to go to Alaska. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the nature stuff was fun. But, yeah, you're right. You know, going from a small town to a small town. Um, but in, in the scheme of things, you know, it, it kind of this idea of, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. You know, I, looking back, how did I get here? It's quite random how we get here. 
when you look at uh, the statistics of how many jobs the average person works from high school to about 35 years old, the numbers are somewhere between 15 and 18 different jobs. And if you think back of all the jobs you may have had, mowing a lawn, working in a fast food place, three or four different churches, different positions in those churches. I worked it, on an EMO ranch. Yeah. <laughs> all right, you two and your animals, yeah, we, your we, wildlife. <laughs> we, we've all been in a lot of different environments. But anyway, in coming into that community, uh, I, I knew that uh, I needed to go to seminary. And so a, a piece of that uh, job opportunity was a grant that would pay for all my school. And so I knew at that season of our lives where, you know, we weren't making a lot of money. My wife and I newly married at 18 or 20, 19, 20 years old. And uh, now I have a family to provide for and need to go to school and all these things. Uh, and God worked it out that I was able to work full time and, and go to seminary while, while working at that church. And, uh, you know, during that season, I would have... Uh, all kinds of people uh, in that small community uh, that would come up and say things like, you know, you're, you're a Christian, you're working in a church, uh, you have it made. Um, it's easy for you to... Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy for you to be a Christian because you get paid to read the Bible. You know, it's easy for you to be a Christian because you're always at the church Right, it's not uh, something I only do on Sundays. Uh, it's your full time gig, and that's it's easy for you to love Jesus and serve Jesus. They only do. Right? <laughs> they only do. People are so nice at church. It's awesome. Nobody ever complains. It's great. Amazing. We just sing songs and pray, and absolutely yes. sit in the dark. It's great. It's great. But you know, in the midst of that, you know, I started realizing, you know, that God had called us not to be just Christians uh, at church but in our community and in our businesses and, uh, you know, whatever uh, realm of authority is the term I like to use that God has given us. And everybody's realm of authority is different. Um, some people have a three-person realm of authority and some people have a 300-person realm of authority, depending on what your job is. And, uh, you know, I started seeing that uh, there were opportunities in our community that, uh, you know, our youth group at the time when I first came there, uh, it, was, it was full of a lot of preppy kids, you know, bound for Georgia Southern or bound for UGA, and there were no skaters, <laughs> there were no golf kids, there were no, uh, well, call, you know, low-income family, street kids, whatever, you want to, whatever term you want to put on that. And, uh, you know, I really came into that church and said, you know, guys, uh, we need to love everybody. And a good uh, uh, gauge of that, of whether we are loving people, is look out in the audience. You know, look in the youth group, look in the church and see what types of people are here. Is, is, it, is it pretty random? Is it pretty, or is it mixed? Or is it one specific niche or group or demographic of people? And, uh, you know, we started going into the school and, you know, I'd go and sit and have lunch with the kids at the school and all of a sudden more and more different types of people started coming to church and coming into the youth group. And, uh, how was that received? You know, from the very beginning, we started with 12 kids and, uh, you know, they were, 
kids that have been raised in that church, a small community, raised in that church all their lives, basically. And uh, they were good kids. And uh, so it really wasn't that difficult for them to see the need when that was compared to the word of God that says love them. You know, that was said is go reach them, <laughs> you know, uh, go fish. And so um, really within the first year, we started seeing a shift of the types of kids who were in that youth group. And then, uh, you know, as we transitioned out about three and a half years later, there were about somewhere between 40 and 60 kids coming into that church uh, on a regular basis who were it was very different, very unique. Um, one story I want to tell about that, you know, we never know the difference that our choices are going to make in someone's life. And we never know the 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 opportunities we're given to, to witness to someone, to share our faith, and the impact that's going to have. And one that's uh, a small town in Folkestone and, and uh, a uh, newspaper reporter said, hey, you're the new youth pastor in the community. I'd like to do an article about you and why you came in our community. And so uh, I was like, okay, yeah, I'd love to do that. Let's talk. And so we do the, we do the article. And right after the article runs in the local paper, about a week later, a mom calls me. And uh, she says, I have two sons. They're both musicians. Uh, you mentioned in the article that you wanted to start a worship band in the, in the church for the kids. And uh, I think my two boys would love to participate. And so Jake and Steve uh, show up at youth group. And, uh, you know, they start, they, if you look at them, and they won't mind me saying this, but <laughs> if you looked at them, you know, they were kind of rocker, goth, you know, uh, long hair, jeans cut up, ripped up. The big, you know, they were the rocker, big bell-bottom jeans, the rockers yeah, wore. Yes, Jinkos. Yeah, Those absolutely. were the jam right there. You know, kind of that style. And John's too old for that. He doesn't know about Jinkos. <laughs> All I'm thinking is, can they play? Yeah. <laughs> and, they need a place. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, they come in and come to find out uh, the older of the, uh, of the sons uh, has Asperger's syndrome and, uh, you know, an ADHD form, right? And uh, in, in realizing uh, that this kid is not just talented, but he's brilliant. And uh, for about the three and a half years we were there, the two brothers and the rest of our youth group, you know, would be over at our parsonage, little youth group stuff, and we led worship together. We, uh, you know, went out in the community and played as a worship band and did this. And over that three-year period uh, with those boys, uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't really know what impact we were having in their lives at the time. And uh, basically, after that three and a half year period, I'm going to fast forward here for a second. After that three and a half year period, we transitioned into another job. And about two years ago, um, at my present job, we were hiring a designer. We needed a designer. And uh, I reached out to that young man, Steve, who had been in our youth group, uh, you know, 13 years prior. And uh, he's like, yes, I'd love to participate. I'd love to work, blah. And uh, come to find out since working together in the youth group, you know, he's like, my mom saved that article from that event. And he wrote me during that time and said, Nate, had you not been for me, had you not showed me the love of Jesus, then 
I don't think I would have made it into adulthood. Since then, he's uh, produced for bands like Saliva. Um, he's a professional uh, producer. Um, you know, he's a professional musician. He's an amazing guy. Uh, and he's now a designer for us on our company. But, uh, you know, and we're good friends. But, you know, you never know, 13 years later, you know, the impact you might have on somebody's life uh, just by being available and just loving them with the love of Jesus. Um, I didn't know uh, at that time uh, more than, because I was that, that young seminary student who's uh, gung-ho about everything <laughs> and feels like, you know, you, you've, you've got the answers, right? Because everybody should have the answers. It's, it's so simple. Uh, we love Jesus and we share the love of Jesus. And, uh, you know, I didn't really see the impact right then. Right. Uh, but later down the road, I mean, that's just one life. You know, it's, it's amazing to me that we are given these realms of authority in everyday life. Uh, and what are we doing with that? Um, but question. <laughs> I'm rambling. No, no you're good. No, I mean, I, I was just thinking through, like, you know, what, how much would you look back on what you saw your parents go through and some of the steps they took of faith yeah. and risk? Yeah, absolutely. And, hey, we're going to do this because this seems like the way God's leading us, yeah. you know, would have maybe played a role in your life. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, and I think coming back to our original conversation of why I, we were going to have this conversation today, um, you know, in the marketplace, faith in the marketplace, um, you know, taking our faith from the church house to our local businesses and what that looks like and how do we do that. Um, you know, all my young life into, you know, early adulthood, my parents were bivocational. You know, they worked a job and they ministered. And so seeing that growing up, you know, they owned three different businesses during that period of 18 years in Alaska. And uh, so I saw them as essentially entrepreneurs who did ministry, you know, uh, and hand in hand. You know, uh, in, in some cases, it was the guys that worked for my dad on construction jobs that were down and out and nobody would hire them and dad would, you know. Uh, and But he'd also preach to you to and from every job site. And so <laughs> you you either chose to have a job or get, you know, or not have a job. And you know what I mean? Like it was a, a decision. Do I get preached at or do I not have a job? Sure. <laughs> you had a captive audience. I had a captive audience. There's lots of times in my, and I don't know if you feel this way, but in my career where I'm not jealous, but like been a little envious of people who do work in the marketplace because I'm like, you have such an audience. Like yeah. you have such a a circle of influence that is unchurched yeah. that I yeah. don't have. You know what I mean? Like most of the people I know yeah. go to this church, attend this church or are a Christian in some way. Yeah. And so I'm having to like intentionally like register my kid for soccer so I can be on a team with other parents who don't go to our church. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's hard sometimes to go, man, I want to have that sphere of influence is what I usually, you know, yeah. call it is yeah. I want to have that and I don't have it. Mm -hmm. So spreading that out, like it has to be so intentional because of what we do where like I tend to be envious of people who have companies and work, you know, in the marketplace and go, man, I wish I interacted with people who didn't know Jesus all day long. That'd be right. awesome. Right. Yeah. But that, I mean, yeah, it's like doing what we do. And a lot of times our circle is just here. Right. Yep. As yep. much as we're open to not just being about this place, that is our circle. Sure. And so, like you said, it's like, I, I go looking outside of here to figure out what, where's my spot going to be? Who are my people going to be? Sure. Which is why I absolutely abhor 
playing in church sports leagues. Right. Because I want to play in the regular. I want to play in regular. Right. Yeah. I, I don't need more church friends. You know. Right. I need, yeah. I need some other people. So when right. when the opportunity to do that, I'm going to do that. Yeah. There's a there's a way in like local sports leagues where you can get your kids on the same team as like all your friends' kids. You just say you're carpooling is basically how you right. do it. And that's the inside inside. This year, I intentionally did not. I didn't write anybody's name down. I was like, man, I really. I need to know some other people who don't go to our church. and Yeah, that's wise. It's really cool. Another family showed up two weeks ago, and they've been coming ever since. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's why we do this. Yeah, this is great. You know? yeah. So was there like a turning point for you while you're in like local yeah. church ministry, and you're like, man, I, I need to make a break? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I think it was, it was twofold. You know, um, I had been doing ministry in a church literally from uh, eight years old as, you know, not staff, but my parents were full-time in ministry. And so, you know, charismatic church, uh, you're there every time the doors are open. So, you know, your family is in church as much as you are. Does that make sense? Being raised in church. Staff kid. Staff kid. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and so during that season from eight years old to, I think at that time, we're 24, 25, uh, I was like, you know, I really felt like there was something more. There was a different direction we were supposed to go in that I wasn't supposed to be full-time in church ministry. And during that season, uh, you know, my wife and I were praying and trying to figure out what that looked like. And, uh, you know, right at that time, I really just felt law enforcement. Like I was like, well, what what does that look like that, you know, and for a Christian, number one, but what does that look like for me in our area, in our community? Uh, and at that time, you know, I, I spent about a year while still in ministry, I spent about a year, uh, getting in better shape and knowing that I was supposed to go into some sort of first responder type work. And, uh, so I spent a year getting in shape, running with the, uh, the weighted backpack and the gas mask and all that kind of stuff through my community. Uh, people stopping and saying, hey, where's the fire? Over there. Had one guy, like, uh, he uh, thought there was an actual zombie apocalypse. Nice. And I missed an opportunity to say, run, they're coming. But I missed that opportunity. Uh, but, you know, you kind of get looked at strange. Uh, but during that season, you know, a job came available at a federal prison. And, uh, you know, I talked with my, my, my senior pastor that time, my boss, and uh, I was like, you know, basically this has been a, a year-long period of preparing for something else, and I don't know what that looks like. And so we talked about that for a while, and I said, you know, I feel like this is where we're supposed to be. I'm supposed to be at this prison. And, uh, of course, the question that first came up was, oh, you're going to be the chaplain there. And, uh, no, no. And, and I was like, no, no, that's, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. And, uh, you know, we, and my wife, <laughs> we, we talked about it a lot cause this is a big change to go from full-time ministry to working in a prison and, uh, a federal prison. A federal prison yeah. yeah. And, um, and at that time, uh, the prison was opening with what would be 2,500 inmates and, um, so it's a pretty big prison, right. and uh, it's not like know, a little county jail. Right, it's, it's not the a real deal. Yeah. yeah, and so uh, getting in the door, and you know, I was like, "Well, we'll go through the whole process. We'll apply for the job. We'll do the interviews. We'll just kind of see." And uh, basically, they gave me a job offer on the spot, 
which it was really odd when I said, hey, I'm a youth pastor. I believe in having integrity. You know, I, I started the interview like that. And they were like, we need more people with integrity that work in our system. So, you know, take your paperwork up to HR and I'll give you a reference letter. And so, you know, that's where I had to come back to my wife <laughs> and say, I can start in 30 days. Um, you know, what do you think about this? And uh, we prayed about it a little more, and I felt like it was the right transition. Um, and during that season, uh, I kept having people in the church come back and say, you know, you can't be a Christian in that environment. You can't be a Christian. You know, I'm a business guy. I travel all over the country, and, you know, I have to— uh, go out and, and drink with clients or I have to, whatever the case may be, um, because of my job and what it requires of me. And, you know, you can't be a Christian in this role as, as a prison guard, essentially. And, uh, you know, I started that job and, and within, you know, a couple months, God gave me favor with different supervisors and I got to go to some schools as firearms instructor and some other things. And, uh, you know, during that season, uh, kind of the best of the best officers are called uh, correctional emergency response team members. And typically a prison of that size has about 30 members. And so I tried out for that and got on. And then, uh, you know, during that season, anytime schools would come available, uh, I would put in for it. And so, you know, at that time, you know, I was going from youth pastor to an emergency response team member and, you know, we're shooting guns and throwing tear gas and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, during that season, you know, I had other young men around me who were going through life, um, you know, girlfriends cheating on them, husbands and wives affairs and just the things that life throws at us and we walk through. And, uh, you know, I had, I can't tell you how many conversations with people, um, cause they knew I was a youth pastor. They knew that was where I was from and they would just talk to me. And, you know, I had more conversations with people with real needs sure. in that six, seven years that I was there, um, than I had in six, seven years of ministry, you know? Different from a podium is completely different. You know what I'm saying? But as far as hands-on kind of counseling with folks, it was different for me. And different types of people that many admittedly would say I'd never go to church uh, for whatever reason that is. And, uh, you know, during that season, about five years in, I was a tactical instructor, trainer, and I ruptured discs in my back. And uh, I was devastated I just got back from a SWAT school, and uh, I was devastated that I had potentially I would lose my job, I'd lose my career, uh, I'd lose the effort of five years at that time, and uh, you know I realized that we were in a new season, and you know everything that had led to that point, I felt like God had led us there, and my question to God was, God, why? Why are the discs in my back ruptured? Why can I not? My doctor's telling me you'll never do this kind of work again. You know, you can't lift more than 50 pounds. You can't blah, blah, blah. And career-ending injuries. And over that next two-year period, I had three back surgeries. Um, and as a young man, I think at that time, 27, I think, 
um, having three back surgeries and having, we had just found out that our third child was on the way. And, uh, you know, I was essentially at the end of myself there saying, God, why I have to provide for my family. I felt like this is where I'm supposed to be. Why am I getting injury? I can't continue to do this work. And they called, my work called me in on a Friday and said, you know, you've had these two back surgeries, the first two. Um, the doctor won't give you a clean bill of health. Um, you know, basically don't come back on Monday. And so this was on Friday. <laughs> and so um, during that season, I was like, you know, what am I going to do? You know, I was waiting on, at that time, my third back surgery. Um, and I had everything that I had relied on in the past, construction work, physical labor, working for a law enforcement agency, anything like that was out of the question because of injury. And my body just couldn't do those types of jobs anymore. And so being a 27, 28-year-old young man with a family, um, I'm praying, God, what's next? And uh, every opportunity that I had been given in that prison, every school that I had gone to, every, every certification that I had gotten, gave me unique perspectives on gear and equipment and manufacture and design, the way things are made. And I started realizing, you know, maybe I can make stuff. I've always enjoyed making things and creating things. Uh, maybe I could do that for a job. And so while sitting in my garage wondering what I'm going to be when I grow up, um, <laughs> I made my first firearms holster. And uh, I'm sitting in my garage, and I post it on eBay, and it sells. Mm. So it was like 20 bucks. But I'm like, but it sold. You know? <laughs> Somebody wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody wanted my thing. And uh, so I realized, you know, well, maybe I could start making more of these holsters and creating a brand around that. And so uh, in my garage in the first year, we started working five people, two shifts a day, uh, out of my garage, purely selling online. And then within the first uh, two years or so, uh, we moved into a new building in Woodbine, Georgia, to do manufacturing. And essentially during this season, I'm like, Lord, I, it has to pay the bills. You know, it, it's not enough <laughs> to have a good idea and to make product. It's got to pay the bills. And, uh, you know, as a piece of that, you know, I can't do it on my own. I need a team of people. Uh, to work with to make this happen and so God led uh, a guy named Paul Degner to come on as a partner with me um, Steve the guy I mentioned earlier the young guy from our youth group he came on as a designer with us uh, we have a, a young lady who sews for us named Grace Gonzalez and uh, another young man named Jesse Watkins who works in manufacturing and so the five of us essentially uh, handle all design all manufacturing of product and uh, you know had God not given me an idea coming out of injury at a season of life when, you know, I felt like I had done everything right. You know, I felt like, okay, I'm following the calling of God. I feel like, you know, I've done ministry and now I feel like I'm going into a different season of life with a different type of ministry, uh, working with different types of people and getting a foundation as career and such. And then for that all to get stripped away, uh, and to kind of have to reinvent 
really reinvent myself and start over. Um, you know, I was uh, wholly reliant on only God, only you can make this work. And, you know, in the midst of that, um, God brought team members, you know, to me, support system to me. Uh, and, you know, this, this being our fifth year, I think, of business, um, you know, we, you know, just had product in the new Justice League movie, which I told you about. Just going to make sure you got you know, so cool, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, just had product in there. Uh, well, you what, know. what are we looking for when we watch that? <laughs> yeah, no, so if, if you, uh, in the post-apocalyptic scene, if you're watching Justice League, the new movie on HBO Max, if you look on uh, the hidden scenes at the end of the movie where they're giving allusion to or alluding to uh, the multiverse, DC multiverse, whatever. Um, you have uh, you have the post-apocalyptic scene with Deathstroke and the Deathstroke character. He's got the mohawk and the eye patch and all that, and the holsters and stuff on his chest rig are ours. And so it's pretty cool. It is cool. That, yeah. That's yeah. How did that happen? Yeah, it's cool. So uh, it was like it was a Wednesday night at like <laughs> 8 p.m. and I get a phone call from California and I'm like, who do I know in California? And I answer the phone. They're like, "This is so and so from Warner Brothers Studios," and we Come saw. Come on, who is it really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can and, name drop. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I'm like, I have. Is this for real? Is what I'm thinking. Um, but uh, you know, I, I look them up a little bit from what they told me. And I was like, "Oh wow, this is Warner Brothers Studio." And uh, they're like, "Hey, we saw your product online, and we really think it would fit into this character's profile or whatever for the movie." Uh, but we need it Saturday, and this was Wednesday. And oh, so like, Warner Brothers works at the last <laughs> minute like we do. Because <laughs> like they're Sounds like, about right. <laughs> so they're like, you know, next week we're doing a fitting with the actors, and the week after that we're doing reshoots. So it has to happen this weekend. So I was like, absolutely, we can make that happen. And I didn't know f since September till when it aired you know last month or whatever in may or whatever it was um that we actually made it in the final cuts you know because they still have to edit it all and you don't know what's going to make it and what's not um but we made it uh -huh. That's so cool. <laughs> but uh you know since then and really this this last year of business um you know we've started doing a lot more design work for big holster companies and you know we're preparing now for a national brand launch to gun stores across the country and that's really what we're we're gearing up for and, uh, you know, as a piece of that, you know, figuring out as a Christian and as a company that has Christian values, um, you know, the companies that we work with, the people that we work with, the staff we have, um, you know, we want to be able to not just impact their lives in the immediacy of environment, uh, but we want to impact nationally a marketplace. And, uh, you know, not only to have integrity in the way we conduct business, the way we ship product, the way we warranty stuff, you know, all that. Um, but, you know, how do we make an impact? You know, how do we make an impact as a Christian company in our community? Um, you know, and we've talked about different things to do events for for kids to obviously our brand name is Burly Man Tactical. So the things that, you know, we would want to pass on to our children um, having an event where we can pass on some just practical skill set stuff. Yeah, like how to kill a moose with a car. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> or change a tire or, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know, things, yeah. right? Sure. Just basic skill set stuff. Uh, but, you know, figuring out ways that are creative, uh, 
uh, you know, to make an impact in our community. And, you know, for other businesses that are here, uh, you know, I, I love when I walk into a business and I hear worship music play in and that kind of thing. And that relates maybe to me as a Christian, might not relate to a non-Christian person, right? May or may not. Uh, but finding ways that do relate. And what does that look like, you know? Um, and, and I think that's a, a daily struggle, you know? Um, I have had I don't know how many conversations with people that will just tell me their life story. You know, guys in the Navy or, you know, we've dealt with uh, uh, Army as well and Marines and, uh, you know, guys that just say, hey, I've been through all of this life stuff, multiple deployments and things like this and dealt with some hard stuff. And, you know, I don't believe in God anymore, um, you know, because of these things I've seen. And being able to be a voice to those guys uh, in the midst of bad environments, in the midst of life and other cultures that they've seen around the world. And, you know, there there is an entire mission field here that's not in the church. And ultimately, what is the goal? (laughs) To bring them to the church. Why? Why would you want someone, pastor, to come to the church that hasn't been in the church in the past? They're hearing something here that they don't hear anywhere else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, what we would say is life change happens, you know, through the, the message of Jesus. So. Yeah. But your, your thing is really unique because all of your past experiences are coming together. Yes. To afford you the opportunity to have a skill set and a product that puts you in touch with one certain kind of person. Right. And then your heart for ministry and, um, you know, calling people to a better life. Yes. It just kind of brings all those together. Yeah. And and to that, I think I would say, you know, to other businesses out there listening who you're a Christian in the marketplace and you've been trying to figure out creative ways to witness – creative ways to share the gospel, creative ways to invite people to church. Um, you know, we always kind of come back on, I don't want to offend people. I don't want to, you know, uh, I don't want to pe- people think I'm a Jesus freak. Not that I've, many of you even heard that terminology in a while, <laughs> but uh, that dates me with uh, DC Talk and Absolutely. all that, you know. Um, but, you know, finding ways to be creative and and finding other like-minded businesses in our community uh, that can find creative ways to reach out. You know, there's tons of need. I mean, there's tons of need, uh, whether it's in the foster care system with children, um, whether it is, uh, you know, guys that are in the military with legitimate PTSD issues and things like that, as well as law enforcement um, that, you know, don't get paid near enough first responders in general that don't get paid near enough that are just barely providing for their families um, that need a support system for them as well. Um there's all kinds of need. Sure. And, uh, you know, I guess my prayer, not just as a business, but as a Christian would be, how can we meet those needs? Uh, you know, I don't think any one of us ind- individually can meet those needs. Uh, but us together as a community of businesses, uh, working together with our local churches, um, we can begin to meet those needs. Um, but yeah, that's my heart. You know, I, again, like I said at the beginning, what a long, strange trip it's been. <laughs> and it's so hard, you know, to, to quantify those individual seasons of life and how they, the choices we make, you know, I feel like the choices I made 10 years ago were the right choices. 
you know, and the choices I made 15 years ago were the right choices in the moment. In the moment, yeah. You know, looking back. Based on what you knew at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Looking back, who knows? Maybe they were or weren't. Sure. But that's what got me here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like uh, in, in this season of our life, it's about relevance. Um, both relevance in the marketplace, you know, as well as relevance as Christians. Um, and figuring out, you know, how can we do more? Um, so much of what I love of what you're talking about is I think there's a season of church leadership where it was, if you'll get your people to the church, the church will tell them how to follow Jesus and the church will tell them what to do next. And I feel like we as a church are trying to change that. It sounds like you're trying to change that and going, no, let's all be the church in our community and not just depend on the people who sit in the seat of pastor, you know, like, but you have a story to tell that points to Jesus. And we have stories to tell that point to Jesus and has nothing to do with our jobs. You know, those are just platforms that we get to stand on and go, because I'm burly man tactical. Hey, as I sell you a holster, I'm probably going to tell you about this, you know? And I love that. I mean, I think it's, it's the direction our church is trying to go into of like, no, we want you to go be in the mission field in your community based on the leverage that you have because you are burly man tactical, you know? Right. And everybody has that. Yes, absolutely. The shift you're talking about, Allison, is a come and see Mm -hmm. to what's new is go and do. Absolutely. And yet there's a part of us that's still like, no, 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 come and see. But also come and see. Come and see. (laughs) No, absolutely. Please come to church. Come and see, but that's not all we're relying on. Yeah. Come and see and get fueled up and then go and do. do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it takes both. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think somebody who's gone through some of the changes, you know, that we've all gone through, you know, what, like you said, we made this decision at this point in our life, and that was, we thought, the right thing at the time. And maybe it was. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it, it means because somebody's not doing what they used to do that that was a bad decision. And, uh, you know, all those things, you should be able to look back and go, they all led me to where I am today. Absolutely. Good and, and bad. Good and bad. Yeah. And yeah. if they're bad, make sure that you learned what you were supposed to learn so you don't have to repeat that step again. Yep. Absolutely. And so we bring it all together and we just say, okay, well, the thread here is I want to do the next right thing. Yep. And I'm going to follow Jesus yep. as a loved son. Yep. And believe that the good father is not going to lead me astray. Yes. Uh, it might be something new. Yep. And it might be different. It might be uncomfortable, but it's still all going to work together in the end good yes absolutely so how can people find you if they're local here in our community or if they're also somewhere else listening yeah um so if you're in saint mary's georgia or the surrounding community uh we are at 765 c kings bay road right uh, down the street right down the street from the church um and if you can find us we can point you to the church so you know uh, but uh that's our our local custom shop and if design. you come in the church looking for a holster <laughs> we'll, we'll send you to burley man <laughs> there you go uh but that's our local custom shop and design office we're, we're kind of we're headquartering out of there and then uh as far as online all social media platforms as burley man tactical um, Instagram, Burley Man Tactical Brand, Facebook, and our website's BurleyManTactical.com. Um, but yes, look us up, kind of see what we're doing in the in the industry, and uh, we'd love can, to. Can people get a t-shirt online? Absolutely. Most comfortable shirt you're going to find. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, thank you for all those that have begun to represent us. We really appreciate that. Yeah, Very cool. Absolutely. Hey, final thoughts? Anything at all? Wrap up? I mean, I love your story. I appreciate you sharing it with us today and just let us hear a little bit more about how you ended up here and doing what you're doing. And I think the common thread is just trying to listen to God's voice and follow it. 
Yes. And it takes you on a wild ride sometimes. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And, and your church is proud of you, man. Like I've gotten to see <laughs> you go through a lot of this. So as you're telling, I'm like, oh, I remember when that happened. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's it's been cool to watch you do this. So. Yeah. Yeah. Keep doing it. Well, awesome. Thank you guys for joining us today. That's our conversation with Nathan Fletcher, Burley Man Tactical. If you like what you heard or found anything encouraging, be, feel free to share it with a friend and leave us a rating. And we'll see you next time. We're out.